been battling a little bronchitis this week, so I have my happy juice down here. I know what happens if you kick the bucket. I'm not sure what happens if you kick the bottle. Uh, but if you pray for me today as I take us down this path, I'm sure God will bless us in our efforts. So let's just pray before we start today. Father God, I, I come to you because we love you. And you know, Father God, that we will do our best to live our life pleasing to you. Bless our time of study today. Help us, Father, to listen and more importantly, help us apply if need be. In your son's name I pray. Amen. In the South a few years ago, they, they had their annual passion play around Easter time. And Jesus was carrying the cross towards Golgotha. However, there was a tourist there that began to heckle Jesus. Who heckles Jesus? And Jesus had had about all that he could handle. And he set down the cross and he went through the crowd and he punched this guy out. I mean, he just decked him. Went back, picked up his cross and started to his destination. That night after everything had settled down, the director came to the actor playing Jesus and he said, hey, 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 you can't do that. You know, you're playing Jesus. He never retaliated when he was harassed and even though a tourist taunts you, you cannot respond that way. He goes, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I'm sorry. It won't happen again. The next night, Jesus was a little bit further down the path. Same guy came and began to taunt him. And again, he puts down his cross and he goes through the crowd. And this time he is restrained and he is put back on his cross and he continues down the path. And the director said, hey, man, that's twice. One more time and you're out. You just can't do this. Third day in a row, same tourist taunting Jesus all the way to Golgotha. And before he begins to make his way up towards that place, he looks at the guy and says, I'll see you after the resurrection. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody that rubbed you the wrong way? I mean, it happens, doesn't it? I wonder if you have ever met anyone in the church, in the friendly confines that rubs you the wrong way. Much of living the Christian life comes to getting along with others. And Scripture makes it very clear that there's a tremendous value in unity in the church. And Paul, when he writes this letter to his friends in Colossae, they're going through a weird time. And he uses chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, to remind them who they are and what they stand for. I don't know if you remember Jimmy Johnson when he took over the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He and his owner, Jerry Jones, who should pop up here somewhere. Anyhow, they worked together for a few years and they brought the Cowboys back to a dynasty place. And the Cowboys won a couple Super Bowls with these two guys in charge. And you would think that 
that Jones would have given, given Johnson a, a, a big bonus and, and an increase and an extension and more money. But instead, after those two victories back-to-back, he fired the guy. He said because they couldn't get along. So you have an owner and a coach who can't get along, and after winning championships, instead of celebrating in a marvelous way, because they rub each other the wrong way, I guess Texas wasn't big enough for those two cowboys. And as you go through life, there's a lot of things that have a tendency to rub you the wrong way. If you have your Bibles with you today, I want to talk you through this because it happens in our world just like it happened in their world. Verse 12 says, therefore, and this therefore is there because they've just talked about holy living. So these words that follow now are based on our understanding of how we ought to live in holy fashion. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. For there to be unity in the church, for there to be an ability to do positive things when people rub you the wrong wrong way, the first thing that you need to do and to keep in the back of your mind when you're on the short end of that stick is to do your best to be willing to take the high road. I want to talk you through what I mean by that today. Verse 12, Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people, and that's who we are, we are holy and we are dearly loved. Paul wasted no time, no time at all, reminding these people who they were and what they stood for. When I was a freshman in college, I was playing basketball for Lincoln Christian University. And our first game was at Ozark, which is evidently at that time was our arch enemy. I didn't know we had arch enemies, especially in the church. The place was jam-packed. and I was the smallest guy on the team, which means I was always the first one out of the tunnel. Our coach had us kind of in one of those kind of pecking orders, you know. And before we went out there, he said... Uh, Before we go out and play, I want you guys to remember whose you are. I didn't know what that meant, you know. I had had coaches who told me whose I was and what I was. I'd had all types of explanations. I I never had a coach remind me of whose I am. And then he said, let's, let's pray before we go out. That was a weird thing. To this day, when I see my old coach, I'll look at him in and I will remind him that he taught me whose I was and what I stood for. That's what Paul was trying to teach these people 
in this scenario, he said that God's people are dearly loved and they are expected to live holy lives. This is your identity, he reminded them of the fact, and regardless of what others say, life is not about getting ahead or getting even, but it's about doing things pleasing to the Father. We should never allow people to pull us down to their level, but we should pull people up to our level. That's what Paul wants his people to understand. Let me share a couple of instances. In the first one, it happened in 1975. There was a guy by the name of Charlie Rich. He was a country western personality. And he was chosen to uh, announce the Country Artist of the Year Award at the CMA. And that year, he was supposed to hand off his award to a singer by the name of John Denver. Now, neither one of those are John Denver. Here we go. Charlie Rich opened the envelope, and instead of reading the name, he pulled out his cigarette lighter because there was such an issue with John Denver at the time. He was making the jump from kind of soft rock to country music. And a lot of the country music people couldn't stand John Denver, so instead of reading the name, he pulls out his cigarette lighter, and he begins to set that thing on fire. He never announces John Denver as the winner, but he just walked off the stage with a little fire on the floor. I'm not sure he exactly took the high road. Do you? Now let's go to Tiger Woods and Fuzzy Feller. Back in the day when Tiger won his first Masters, you see it's kind of a tradition for the winner to receive this green jacket from a champion and also the winner selects the meal for next year's event. And Fuzzy Zeller made some, some rough comments towards Tiger Woods. And Tiger's reaction, he said, I know he's a jokester. And I have concluded that no personal animosity towards me was intended. We all make mistakes and let's just move on. So I don't care what you think about Tiger Woods, but that time he took the high road. Taking the high road is a lot easier to do when you remember that your life is not perfect. And if you remember who you are and what you should stand for. And we are called dearly loved children of God. And we are called by him to be holy and to live a righteous way of life. The second thing to remember Your actions are more important than your feelings. You know, this may not happen in our culture as much anymore because a lot of people live in homes that have attached garages. But back in the day before that was reality, a lot of times you would open the door to go outside and that cold air would just hit you right in the face. And you have to make a choice. Do I go back in and get my jacket or do I go on and try to do without it all day long? Have you ever done that? Paul goes on to remind us that we as Christians need to be that sensitive to who we are and how we respond to people. If we want to be well protected and cared for, then we need to clothe ourselves in proper fashion. In fact, he says to clothe yourselves in compassion, in kindness, 
in humility, in gentleness, and patience. Easier said than done, right? Had a friend who used to attend here. He has passed. My dear friend, Bud Moorhead, always told me, hey, Clark, if you ever have a paint day down at church, don't call me. I don't even paint at home. He said, but I'll be sure you'll get enough people to paint. And that was Bud. Had another friend who no longer attends here. He told me one day that if I ever had a compassion issue to deal with, not to call him because he wasn't very compassionate, he said, I show nobody mercy. And I thought, you know what? I need to send Bud over to paint you, dude. (laughs) Because that's not what God intends us to be. He uses the phrase clothe yourself because sometimes we need to cover our feelings by putting on right behavior. We've talked about this for a week. You cannot always trust your feelings, can you? Your emotions, they have a tendency to to cause you to say and do things you don't want to say and do. You know, I don't like snakes. I've seen a couple rattlesnakes in the wild in my day, and I really don't like snakes. Every year when we've gone to Montana, when I was been uh, out in the field to bale the hay, because we've done that many times, I always thought I was going to pull up one of those bales and there would be a snake there. And then they would be able to see me <laughs> run and scream like a little girl. But they say if a rattlesnake is cornered in a frenzy, it will actually bite itself. When I first heard that, I thought, man, we just ought to corner all the rattlesnakes in the world and let them bite themselves, and then we can live in a world without rattlesnakes. Wouldn't that be a good thing? People driven by their feelings tend to do the same thing. Two unmarried sisters. Anybody here have brothers and sisters? Have you ever not gotten along with them? Whoa, Kate, this is the right crowd. These two sisters never married. They lived with each other. They had a falling out with one another, believe it or not. Instead of dealing with it in a very mature way, they took a piece of chalk and they were able to divide their apartment right down the middle. And they spent not just a week or a few days or a few months, they spent the rest of their lives on the other side of the chalk. The first one to pass died on the other side of the chalk. And instead of the sister going to care for her, she just called 911. That's one of the saddest, twisted stories I've ever heard. And sometimes, without peace and forgiveness, Paul says, without compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, we have a tendency to be driven by our emotions and our feelings, and that's not the way to go. If you remember anything from last week, when your head and heart are going in the right direction, you're usually pleasing to the Father. When your head and heart are not going in the right direction, you are usually not pleasing to the Father. In any marital relationship or any relationship, if one or both have taken their eyes off of Jesus, there's going to be problems in that relationship. I mean, think about it. Anyone here had a bad relationship or two? Did one or both of you take your eyes off of Jesus? You see, that's the way it begins to play itself out. 
Thirdly, Paul says to include Christ in your conversation. Remember these things when they came out? Bracelets, t-shirts, buttons, badges, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And you know, they are still out there today. They, They haven't gone away. And it's a pretty good reminder that if we're going through a difficult time, maybe we need to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? What would he say? How would he approach this situation? And maybe we need to wear those kind of reminders on our wrists, things to remind us of who we are and what we stand for. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and as you admonish one another with all wisdom. Anybody here okay with being taught? Anyone here okay with being admonished? Wait, 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 wait. I mean, who do you think you are? What gives you the right? And we struggle with the whole admonish thing, don't we? Because we're big now. There was a couple celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. Went to see my doctor friend this week, and in a few weeks, he and his family will be celebrating his and her 50th wedding anniversary. I mean, that's a testimony in our culture, isn't it? To be able to have that type of criteria, been married, same woman, same man, 50 years. Holy smoke. That's a good thing. This couple been married together for 50 years, had a celebration. After it was over, here's what the wife said to the husband. We've fought every day for 50 years. We have not agreed on hardly anything. And I'm convinced that we can't keep going like this. And I have made a commitment to pray every day that God help, help us solve this problem. I don't believe in divorce, so I am praying that God will take one of us home. And when he answers my prayer, I'm going to live with my sister in Grand Rapids. (laughs) I'm not sure Jesus would have handled that conversation quite that way. Are you? I'm not sure if we really have all this love and compassion and kindness and that we would be that type of personality. There's a fourth principle to remember when dealing with difficult people. We are told to pursue personal peace. In fact, in the book of Psalms, in at least two places, we are told not just to seek peace, but we are told to pursue it, to search for it, to hunt for it. The key to developing peace in our relationships is to first develop peace with ourselves and with our God. Once that happens, things begin to fall into place. I have never met a happy traveler on the road that is lower than where it ought to be. On the high road, meet a lot of happy folk. I have never met a happy critic, ones whose emotions are more important than their actions. I had a friend tell me that people think that he was mad at them when he talked because he talked loud. I said, dude, we'll take it down a notch or two. If that's what people expect, then take it down a notch or two, and that way they'll know you're not mad at them. And he said, well, I don't hear well. I said, well, I'm not concerned about 
what you hear, I'm concerned about what they hear. I've never been a happy gossip who struggles to watch what they say. I've never met a happy, disgruntled person, one who is constantly stirring up tension in relationships because they have no peace with themselves. If you are here today and you are a disgruntled person, let me encourage you to get gruntled. Can I do that? I mean, just get over yourself and get gruntled, and then you'll be pleasing to the Father. Paul says in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Anyone here ever been through a tough situation and actually experienced the peace that passes all understanding? Have you been there? The spiritual walk is usually a rocky walk and you can't fully participate with something you don't have. And once you experience the peace of God, you tend to lose interest in conflict, you tend to become less judgmental and or vindictive, and you tend to lose the tendency to be on the edge. I don't know if you recognize these folks. Anybody? The Hatfields and the McCoys. I mean, these are people that legends have been talked about. Evidently, in 1976, in May... Jim McCoy and Willis Hatfield, the last two survivors of the clans, they shook hands at a public ceremony and there was a monument that was placed in 1976. In 1984, at the age of 99, McCoy died and his tombstone read these words, he bears no grudges. I think it's kind of interesting that his burial was handled by the Hatfield Funeral Home in Toler, Kentucky. Getting along with others may not be easy, but evidently, according to this piece of Scripture here, it's what God expects us to do. And he expects us to do it in a way that is pleasing to him. So when people rub you the wrong way, and I'm here to tell you it's going to happen, If it has never happened to you, that's because you are probably the one rubbing people the wrong way. When it happens, take the high road. When it happens, don't let your feelings be more important than your actions. When it happens, include Christ in your conversation. And when it happens, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, I know that there are a lot of people here today who are getting ready to experience the holidays with family. They're coming, aren't they? The experts say usually during the holidays we spend time with people that we don't spend a whole lot of time with, you know. Aunt Pearl's coming. Uncle Jesse. And they say usually in the family, the immediate family, there's one relative that drives everybody crazy. And if you don't know who that is in your family, it's probably you. So we need to get to the place where we do things 
pleasing to the Father. And it's all about, we, we do life with relationships, don't we? And if you're in a bad one, it's probably because one or both of you have taken your eyes off of Jesus. And if your relationships don't last very long, it's probably because you think more of yourself than you ought to. And in the church, this is where people ought to always get along because we do have the love of Christ. And he has saved people like you and me from a life of death and heartache. If you're here today and never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to make that plea for you. We always have water in our baptistry. It's always good to go. Maybe you just need to come and pray about some issues, or maybe you have some good news to share with us today. Wouldn't that be a great thing? I'll be here. promise not to breathe on you. Got some guys and their wives going to the sides right now. And maybe today is the time that you really start your holiday season off right.